Well, in John, the Apostle John's third epistle, he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And uh, you know, that's kind of my goal. That's kind of my dream for the last few months that we have together as a pastor and as a, as a, as a people as I'm looking forward to retiring this summer. I want you not just to know the truth. I want you to be walking in the truth. And so today as we come to, to look at truth, the truth that I really want to uh, zero in on, because we're talking about building a a worldview that's built on truth, uh, looking at the world correctly, a world truth that, I mean, a worldview that's built on the truth of Scripture, a biblical worldview. And so the the truth I want to zero in on today is what I call a no-brainer, okay? Uh, And it's simply this, friends, our world is messed up. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, our, our world is just messed up. And uh, so we want to kind of look at that today. Uh, and the question that we're going to wrestle with is simply this. How did this world get so messed up? How did all this come about? And so to answer that question, we're going to look at a, a number of things. We're going to look at the reason and the results and the rationale and the response from us to, to the world in which we live, the, 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 the kind of the crazy world in which we're a part of. So let's start by looking at the reason why the, reason why the world is messed up. <clears throat> and it's simply found in, in three words. We've all sinned. <clears throat> We've all sinned. Um, you see, when we sin, it brings evil in the world. And sin is the reason the world is messed up. Well, what is sin? Well, sin is any kind of attitude of disobedience that is against God, whether it's in attitude, whether it's in action, whether it's in words. It's a disobedience to God. It's any action that we take that is against God. It's any thought that we have that is against God. And and the result of that, it brings sin into the world, and with it comes evil. And evil is, is... part of what's messed up the world. Now, where did it all get started? Well, we can go back to the very beginning of Scripture and look in, the, in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, and it started back with that very first couple, Adam and Eve. They fell into sin in disobedience to God, and that began this whole cycle of sin in the world. In fact, uh, Paul writing in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 said this, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. You realize until that point, there was no death in the world. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin in the world, and with sin came death. And guess what? It didn't stop with Adam and Eve, okay? We're culprits also, okay? Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is not a single person in the earth who is always good and never sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody who's claimed to be perfect. None of us are perfect. I mean, I don't live up to my own standards, much less the standards of holy God. And, and I disappoint myself. I disappoint others. The same is true with you. I'm a sinner. None of us get off scot-free. All of us blow it in so many ways. The Scripture says all have sinned. Romans 3.10 says, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, when you look in Scripture, 
there are actually three different words that are used for sin. There's the word sin, there's the word transgression, there's the word iniquity. Now, what's the difference between those three? Well, the word sin is actually an English word that we have attached to a Greek word called harmatia. Um, and hemorrhatia is actually an archery term. Uh, you know, let's say you were, you were shooting a bow and arrow at a target. And when you shot it, and the arrow didn't make it to the target, it fell short. That's hamaratia, okay? Uh, we translate that into English with the word sin, but it literally means falling short. You fell short of the target. You fell short of the goal. You shot an arrow toward the target, and it didn't even make it over there. It falls short. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, when you fail to meet God's purposes for your life, you're falling short. Uh, you know, if there are things that God wants you, you to do with your life and you don't do those, you are falling short. The Bible says we've all done this. All of us have fallen short, and that's called sin. The second word is the word transgression, and it's just the opposite. It's not to fall short. Instead, it means to go beyond to go beyond. Uh, it's a deliberate, intentional, willful decision to break the law. Transgression is to go beyond the law. You know, if let's say the speed limit's 60 miles an hour and you decide you want to drive uh, 80 or 90 miles an hour, you have gone beyond the law. You've transgressed against the law. So I'm intentionally going past the law. What, what uh, you know, when I know that God says... I don't want you to do this. And you and I say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. That's not falling short. No, that's going beyond what, what God asks of us. And God has said there are certain parameters of your life. Uh, he says, I don't want you to do these things for some very specific reasons. And you and I say, we're going to go past those. And we break God's laws. That's transgression. The third word is the word iniquity, and, and it really talks more about my heart. It's an attitude of the heart that is against God. It's a basic disposition that I'm going to do my own way, uh, my own thing. It means to wander. In fact, the Bible compares us to sheep. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That is, we're just wandering. That's what iniquity means. It, it means to have just follow the, the attitude of your heart, to have a different viewpoint than what God has. And in fact, the Bible calls that iniquity. And guess what? It's our natural disposition. It, it's the intention of the heart. When you think about jealousy and anger and envy and, and, uh, and so forth, it's a heart attitude of wandering away from God. Now, look at this next verse, Psalm 32, verse 5. The psalmist says this, I acknowledged my sin. That's fallen short. I acknowledge the fact that I fall short. I've acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. That's my attitude for doing the wrong thing or doing my own thing. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. That's the, the going beyond. That's the breaking of the law. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. So I guess the question that we need to ask then is, why do we do this? Why? Why do we sin? Uh, after all, God made us. He created us. He loves us. 
We owe everything in our life to God. So why do we choose to ignore God? Why do we, why do we sin? Well, I think there are three reasons that are found in Scripture as to why we fall into sin. First of all, there is nature. You know, the Bible says, because I'm a human being, I have a human nature, which I got from Adam, you know, the very first man. You inherited from him a natural uh, tendency to do your own thing. In fact, we call that our sinful nature. We have a sinful nature. And you look at Romans 8, verse 7. He says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. You never did obey God's laws, and it never will. It's kind of like the child who says, I don't want to obey my parents. You know, he says, Mommy, I don't want to do that. No! How many of you parents taught your children to say no? Nobody taught them. They just do that. Why? That's the, that human nature in their heart. That's that sinful nature. I want to do what I want to do. Um, and that's, that's called our, our sinful human nature. It's that tendency to be self-centered, where you're always focused on yourself. That's your nature. In fact, uh, Jeremiah said this in 17.9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. He's talking about the nature that we're born with. You know what? We have this amazing ability to lie to ourselves and believe our lies, okay? Uh, we can tell ourselves, ah, this is really not a problem, when it really is a problem. We have this amazing ability to lie to ourselves. That's why we need other people in our lives. That's why we need the Bible to guide us to the truth. Uh, because so many, much of the time, we don't see the truth. So there's nature. That's one of the reasons we sin. There's nurture, which is another reason why we sin. And the truth is that you learn to sin from other people. Uh, in fact, you had some models growing up. Your parents. Your parents were not perfect people. You, you kind of real, realize that? That parents are imperfect as well. And so you picked up some of their imperfections. And really, depending on the kind of family that you grew up in, uh, whenever it came to times when you got angry, uh, you would do one of two things. You could uh, kind of stuff your anger and be manipulative and kind of play the martyr, or you could just explode at everybody around you. Um, you see, you tend to either be a turtle or a skunk. Okay, a turtles just kind of pull up into themselves and then they just manipulate everybody around them. And some of you are like that. And then skunks, they just stink up the place. Okay, and you know what the fact of the matter is that turtles tend to marry skunks. It's just kind of the way it is in life. Okay, that's the way it is. All right, look at Romans 8, 7 there. He says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It doesn't obey God's law and it never will. So we've got this ability to lie to ourselves. And then we've got the influence of people all around us. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And that's a part of nurture. Uh, that's, that's why, you know, we, we tell our kids, you know, watch out who you hang with. I mean, have you ever seen a kid get into bad company and turn out to be bad? And, and that's just the, the, the nurture kind of thing. Um, you see, it's not just our nature that leads us to do wrong. 
It's our nurture. It's those that we hang with that leads us to do wrong. So other people teach us how to do wrong. And then third is culture. Culture, the Bible tells us, is always pulling us down. Never will it pull you up. It always is pulling you down. You see, culture doesn't want you to be a better person. What does culture do? It wants you to be a selfish person. And so Satan and sin uh, use culture to get you to do the wrong thing. The Bible says this in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. That is the culture. Um, Because what he's saying is don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and dominate your life. So here are three reasons why we choose to sin. Now, I'm not so much interested in the fact that we blow it because we all do that. My question is, what has it done to the world? Again, we're trying to get a proper worldview. So what has sin done to the world? And um, even bigger question, why does God allow it? And then the third question, how do we respond to this world in which, which we find ourselves? So what we're going to look at today. So number two, let's look at the result. The result is we live in a fallen world. Uh, in fact, what do we do? We call the incident in the Garden of Eden, we call it the fall. And you know there is a tendency when you fall to break something, right? Folks, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is filled with sin, and uh, so everything on this planet has been damaged or injured or spoiled or corrupted in some way by the entry of evil into this world. So we live in a fallen world. And, you know, people who don't understand that are always asking the question, well, why is this happening? Or why did God allow that? When they ask that question, it's because they don't have a biblical worldview that that affirms the fact that we live in a broken planet. Now, there are five dimensions of that damage that have impacted our lives. Uh, When sin entered the world and we continued in that sin, it affected five different areas. First of all, it impacted in in the way of natural disasters and deformities. Uh, Folks, what you need to realize is that nature doesn't always act in rational ways. Would you agree with that? I mean, sometimes nature acts irrationally and often irrationally, okay? Man, there are natural disasters. And and when people ask, you know, well, why are there hurricanes? Why are there tornadoes and tidal waves and earthquakes? The answer is very simple. This planet is broken. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 20. It says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. So when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and God brought the curse on them, the earth was impacted by that as well. You see, the original purpose of creation was to be in harmony with man and in harmony with God. But that isn't happening today, is it? Uh, Nature is rough. It's unkind. It it certainly doesn't work the right way. Uh, You know, you look at how things are. You know, how come animals get deformed or, or have defects or Why are sometimes babies born with deformity? It's because of sin. Somewhere back when something happened because of the fall of mankind and and brought all these calamities on the world. I mean, where, where do handicapping conditions come from? They come because we live in a broken planet. The con- uh, 
Contemporary English version of, of Romans 8.20 says this, creation is confused. And that really is the reality. That's a result of sin in the world. This is not a perfect place, okay? The problems on this planet are a result of evil in the world. And in fact, the Bible tells us that creation groans because of this brokenness. Uh, Romans 8.22, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Why is it groaning? It's groaning because of the pain of knowing this isn't what I was created to be. That's the earth talking, okay? Uh, it's, it's made to be in harmony. But when mankind sinned, everything fell out of harmony. And so natural disasters, deformities, and all kinds of calamities come into the world. The, the second impact or result from wickedness in the world is physical decay and death. Physical de decay and death. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, and you might want to underline that, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. I like that. Though our bodies are dying. I mean, one look at you and I can say, yep, that's true of you. Okay? Right? See, none of us have that youthful beauty that we once had. Uh, you look at our bodies and we're just getting weaker and we're getting older and uh, because there's no perfect bodies. Nothing works exactly right in your body like it's supposed to, right? Anybody have a perfect body? Not, not in any way. Why is that so? Because we live on a fallen planet. If we lived on a perfect planet, we wouldn't need doctors. And yet we've got a whole industry in our world that makes money off of the fact that we're in an imperfect, broken world. Uh, we live in a fallen world. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> verse 42. It says, Our earthly bodies, which die and decay, are different from the bodies we're going to have in heaven when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now disappoint us. Anybody want to say amen to that? Yeah, our bodies disappoint us. They are weak now, but one day they will be raised. Uh, they will be full of power. So the second problem is not only is our earth damaged, but we're damaged physically by sin, by defect. And, you know, we got all these medical bills and so forth. Folks, we live in a fallen planet. Uh, not only do we have decay all around us, but we have death all around us. So the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15.22. He says, everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. <clears throat> And I think one of the reasons why God doesn't want us to be hanging around here in this imperfect place, um, that's one of the reasons we die. God doesn't want you hanging around in an imperfect place. Uh, to live on a fallen planet for all of eternity, that would be almost hell, wouldn't it? To think that these aches and pains and problems are going to go on forever and ever and ever. God says, I didn't make you to live in an imperfect place. He created this world perfect. And so he's saying to you, I don't want you living there. And so I want you to choose me. I want you to choose a relationship with me. Because I've got something better planned for you. Make me your Lord. Make me your Savior. There's a better life out there for you. He's prepared a place for us that's going to be perfect for all of eternity. And so Romans 8.21 says this, All creation anticipates the day 
when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So even creation is looking forward to that day when God makes all things new. So we've got natural disasters, physical death and decay and so forth. There's a third result from our our wicked world, and that is there's emotional distress and disappointments. Emotional distress and disappointments. Why do you get stressed out? Why, Why is it you get disappointed? It's because we live on a fallen planet uh, where evil and and sin abound. Uh, You know, stress is the result of living, folks, in a damaged, sinful world. I don't know if if you have noticed it, but uh, most of the things in life don't live up to their hype, do they? Uh, You know, they're all overrated. I mean, they tell them, hey, this is better than sliced bread. And and you experience it and you think, huh? This wasn't too cool. That wasn't, you know, is this all there is to it? And folks, if you're a perfectionist, you're going to live with disappointment in this world. Because nothing is perfect in this world. The Bible says that nothing is perfect in the world except truth. God's word is truth. And so it's perfect for us. And, and part of <laughs> growing in maturity, folks, is learning how to deal with disappointment and failures. In fact, that's something you need to teach to your children. How do you deal with failure? How do you deal with disappointment? Because if kids don't learn how to fail, they're going to be warped for life. Because failure is a part of life. Disappointment is a part of life. So you've got to learn how to deal with those disappointments. And then the fourth result of this fallen world in which we live is there's relational distance and discord. Relational distance and discord. Think about it. When Adam and Eve sinned, not only were they alienated and disconnected from God, but they were alienated and disconnected from each other. Uh, And we've been dealing with that ever since. Think about it. All of the marriage problems, all of the family crises that, that people are facing, every single one of them comes down to a single word, and that's the word sin. Because every marriage conflict is based on sin. I want what I want, you want what you want, and the sparks fly. Okay? So in marriage, the bottom line is simply this. You either grow up or you grow apart. You either grow up or you grow apart. And those are the the only two options. In your marriage, if you're growing up, excuse me, if you're growing up, and you're learning to be selfless and and think of the other person as more important than yourself, then you're going to grow in your marriage. But if it's all about you, you're going to grow apart. Incompatibility, you know, somebody says, well, we're just incompatible with one another. You know what? Incompatibility is a synonym for immaturity. You've got to learn to grow up, and couples have to either learn to grow up or they're going to grow apart. Here's Adam and Eve, and they had this great intimacy together. In fact, the word there in, in, in the book of Genesis said they were naked and unashamed. And, and, and that's talking about emotionally they were naked and not ashamed. That is, there was no barrier to the intimacy that they had with one another. They had no bad memories from exes or no bad memories from, from high school or no bad lessons they learned from parents or anything like that. Everything was perfect for Adam and Eve. Uh, they understood each other. They had, folks, they had the only perfect relationship between a man and a woman that has ever existed in the world. 
I mean, they had no bad history. They had no sin. They had no hang-ups. They had perfect bodies given to them by God. The only thing that Adam and Eve didn't have, they didn't have belly buttons. Did you ever think about that? Because God created them, all right? But when they sinned, folks, it ruined everything. It messed up their relationship. The intimacy of, of knowing one another and understanding each other suddenly became fear. It became hiding. It became distrust. It became shame. You see, when Adam sinned, he did the very thing that every man and woman has done since the beginning of time. And that is, he hid and he started blaming. That's what he did. First of all, he hid. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 3 there in verse 7. It says, They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they strung fig leaves together to cover themselves. And you know what? Men and women have been covering up ever since. And I'm not talking about clothing here. I'm talking about emotional covering up. Uh, see, when Adam sinned, he went and he hid, you know, as if he could hide from God. And God comes along and he says, Adam, where have you been? And God knew, but he wanted Adam to admit what was going on. And Adam said, I was afraid. And so I hid. Folks, that's what sin does in a relationship. Uh, when you sin in a relationship, you become afraid to reveal your true self. And so you hide from your husband or you hide from your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. You don't let them know your deepest fears, your deepest feelings. And so we hide from one another. Uh, we don't want anybody to get close to us. We don't want them to know us. We cover up. So what is your fig leaf? What is it that you use to cover so that other people can't really get close to you and, and to know you? Is it you wear a mask? Do you role play? Do you pretend like you're somebody different than you really are? He says, I was afraid, so I hid. The other thing that Adam did was he blamed. He said this to God. He says, the reason I'm in this trouble is the woman that you gave me caused me to be tempted. So he blamed Eve, but look, he's also blaming God. If you hadn't given me this woman, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, and so ever since then, we've been hiding our weakness and we've been blaming other people from the problems in our life. And it's caused relational discord and distance. That's a result of sin being in the world. And then the fifth thing is that of spiritual discontent and darkness. You know what? Sin leaves a hole in your heart. It is very difficult to fill. In fact, uh, Pascal called it the God-shaped hole in our hearts. There's a God-shaped vacuum in our heart that can only be filled by God. And you and I will try to fill it with anything else to find satisfaction. We, we, we try everything, sex and popularity and hobby and drugs and, and uh, sports and, and maybe even work or money or pleasure. But in the end, it's kind of like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. Folks, you and I were made for God. Augustine said this, he said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. See, our hearts are restless until we find God in our life. And, and because we were made for God. And until we make that connection, we're always going to be looking. We're always going to be searching, running here and there, looking for something to fill that gap in our life. 
trying to fill it with anything else is going to lead to disaster. However good it is, it's not going to be the answer. And when you get disconnected from the source of life, that is, God your Creator, then it's going to lead to that emptiness inside of you, and it's going to lead to spiritual darkness. Uh, Paul said this in Ephesians 4, verse 18. He said, Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God uh, gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Friends, that's not a pretty picture, okay? Although this world is great, and there are many great and good things that happen in this world, we've got to be realistic about it. We live in a broken planet, in a broken world. So how do you be happy? in a broken world like this? How do you be happy in a world that's filled with pain and suffering and and sorrow? How do you be happy in the midst of a broken earth? I think you do what Jeremiah did. Jeremiah had the answer. Uh, Look here in Lamentation. This is kind of his testimony. Lamentation 3 verse 19. He says, the thoughts of my suffering and singleness, excuse me, homelessness, is bitter beyond words. Some of you who are single think, yeah, that's me, Um, but it's homelessness, okay? The thoughts of my suffering and, and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. That last verse where he says, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. What he's really saying there is, the Lord is all that I need. The Lord is all that I need. That's the key to happiness in a broken world, a world of suffering and sorrow, a damaged world. You don't need to put your trust in people, folks, because they will always let you down. Don't put your your trust in possessions because they will disappear. Don't put your trust in circumstances because they will disappoint you along the way. You put your trust in God and you say, Lord, you are all that I need. Let's talk about real quickly the rational. Why does God let it continue? I mean, why does God do put up with it? Uh, if this world is such a mess because of sin, uh, why doesn't God just reach down and pull the plug on this whole thing? Why does it continue? You know, when he looks down and he sees the genocide and the suicide and the war and the rape and the murder and the cheating and the hatred and the meanness, why in the world does God put up with it? Well, it's because of the fact that although this world is broken, God is still in control. Uh, and, and history is moving toward a climax. Remember, history is His story. He's the one writing it. And, and God has at least three reasons for not shutting down the world just yet. Number one, he, He's not shutting it down because He wants to give us a choice. He wants to give us a choice. Allowing sin in the world, yes, it hurts God, but it certainly gives us a clear-cut choice. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. And, and here's the point. 
Folks, God made you in His image. You're not an animal. No, He made you as a human being, and that means you have free moral choice. And God says, I want you to choose to love me. I'm not going to force you to love me. I want you to choose to love me. You, you see, I can't really say that I love you if I don't have a choice not to love you. Uh, by choosing to love you, then it's voluntary. In other words, <clears throat> I couldn't make my wife Jan love me. I can't make her stay in love with me. It's a choice that she has to make. And, and God says, I'm not going to make you love me. You're not a puppet. I want you to choose to love me. And if you choose not to love me, okay. If you choose to receive my son as your Savior, great. If you choose not to, okay. You know, I'm going to give you that choice. And that's the good news. We have the choice that can be made. But there's bad news that is attached to that. And I mentioned it last week, that whatever choice we make, we have to be willing to live with the consequences. There are consequences to every choice that we make. And, and while you know, you're free to go out and do anything you want to in this world, you have, must live with the consequences of, that are there. You know, I can go out this afternoon and I can shoot up drugs. I'm free to do that. But I've got to be willing to live with the consequences to that. I can go and I can cheat on my wife, but I've got to live with the consequences to that. You can go and you can murder somebody, but you've got consequences you're going to have to pay. And you can go through life and you can push God away and you can go and do your own thing for all of your life, but there will be consequences that you have to pay. You see, there's going to be a day when there's going to be an accounting before God for all the ways in which you use the freedom that He gave you. A second reason why God isn't shutting the world down and allows it just kind of limp on along is to show us our need for a Savior. To show us our need for a Savior. <clears throat> you see, <clears throat> excuse me, the worse this world gets, the more we realize we need God. In fact, that's true in your own life, if you think about it. <clears throat> the more messed up your life is, the more you, you start realizing, hey, you know what, I'm not doing a good job of managing this life of mine. Maybe I need some help in my life. Uh, and you start realizing you need God. I mean, sometimes God has to put you flat on your back so that you'll start looking up at Him and, and seeing Him in your life. If it takes pain, God's going to allow pain in your life because He cares about you. He loves you. And God says, I'm going to give you a choice. And I'm hoping that you will see your need for Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, secretly, I think just about all of us say, I don't need God in my life. Uh, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job of managing my life the way it, it, it's going, you know. I think I know more about what, I, what makes me happy than God does. God says just don't do those kinds of things. But you know what? You and I, we just bullheaded. We just move on and we try to do it. And, and as a result, we make disaster of life. God says, I love you. I have something far better for you. And, and when we go our own way and we think we know better, what do we end up with? We end up with broken heart and broken body and broken promises and broken memories and, 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 and all sorts of broken dreams. God says, I told you. You know, those rules are not for my benefit. They're for your benefit. It's because I love you. You say, well, why do I need a Savior? 
That's kind of like asking, why do I need air? Um, you were made by God. And without Him, folks, you're just existing. If you didn't need a Savior, <clears throat> believe me, God wouldn't have wasted the time of sending His Son to this earth. Um, you need a Savior, folks, more than you realize it. Uh, you need God in your life. And then there's a third reason why God doesn't pull the plug. And that is to demonstrate His grace. God wants to demonstrate grace to you. Second Peter 3, verse 9 the Lord isn't really slow, or being slow about His promise to return, which is, by the way, the time when He's going to pull the plug when He returns. Um, the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to return, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so He's giving you more time for everyone to repent. See, the reason that God puts up with all this grief that's out there that he sees in this planet is because he's being patient. He's waiting for you to step across the line to become one of his children. If you're already a child of God, he's waiting for you to tell friends and family members and neighbors about Jesus Christ so that they can also be a part of his family. The fact of the matter is that folks, uh, once the door of the ark is closed and it starts raining, the door's not going to reopen in 15 minutes. No, it's over. When God shuts it down, whether it's you die and, and you're taken into His presence or, or uh, Jesus returned, when it's over, folks, it is over. And there's not going to be any second chances. And you and I need to realize that. So God says, I'm waiting just a little bit longer for more people to come to me and to receive my grace. Um, now, there's an implication there. You know, when somebody comes to you and they say, well... I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't believe in a God or I don't love a God or I don't want to worship a God who, who just so callously stands by, you know, unmoved and, and watch little children suffer and, and women get raped and all that. Here's what, here's what you can say. You know what? I don't believe in a God like that either. I don't believe in that kind of God. In fact, my God is not that kind of God. In fact, you have no idea how much it hurts God when he watches what's going on on this earth, when he sees all the turmoil and all the suffering and all the, the sorrow and sadness, it hurts him more than anybody else. And he weeps over it. He says, look at what my children are doing to one another. They're lying to one another, stealing from one another, cheating one another, murdering one another. This is not what I had in mind. Look at what my children are doing. It hurts God. And God feels it, and He cares about it every single second. He's grieving. Yeah, we live in a fallen world, and, and maybe every once in a while we'll think about, oh, how bad this world really is. But I guarantee you that God thinks about it every single second. But friends, I want you to know that He feels that way, but He's also got a plan to correct it because He cares about it. He hates the, the evil in this world. He hates it with a passion. <clears throat> and I believe, folks, that God is going one day going to stop evil dead in its tracks. Uh, there's going to be an accounting. I mean, one day He's going to shut down this planet and He's going to come and He's going to deal with all the evil and all the evil ones with a, with a holy wrath of judgment because of all that people are doing. He's going to bring judgment on this world. Yes, He's going to gather all of those who love Him and all of those who are His children because of their faith in Jesus Christ to live with Him forever in heaven. 
And the only reason he's holding back right now is because he loves people and he wants to draw them into his, into his, into his family. And he's waiting for you to step across the line. He's waiting for other people to step across the line. But one day, he's going to say, enough. And judgment's going to come. The end will come. And the fierce anger of God's wrath on evil will happen. But until then, he's waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for others. Yeah, the world is broken. And yes, there's evil, but folks, what I want you to know is God's in control. A fourth thing that I just want to mention very quickly, how then do we respond to all of this? Well, the very first thing we need to remember, this place is temporary, okay? This is temporary. Don't get too caught up in this fallen world, you know, with its fashions and its values. Don't, don't fall in love, become enamored with the world around us, because nothing you see in this world is going to last. It's all passing away. Everything is going to vanish one day. You know, there are only two things that are going to last for all of eternity. The Word of God and the souls of mankind. That's what we need to invest our lives in. Um, the rest of all of this is temporary. Fortunately, you don't have to put up with the pain and the suffering and the anguish for all of eternity. This is temporary. Second thing, you and I need to reject man-made solutions. Reject man-made solution. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> because this world is a fallen, broken pl- uh, place, there's sin and evil in it, that means that all of us have some unmet needs in our life, some things that, that aren't being met, you know, because uh, this is not a perfect place. If it was a perfect place, our needs would be met, but it's imperfect, and so we have some things that aren't met. We have unmet physical needs and, and relational needs and, and uh, personal needs, uh, think about it. Not everything works the way you want it to, right? Um, we have financial needs that are unmet. Those needs are present in our life and uh, because we live in an imperfect world. But don't give in to the temptation to try to fix it yourself. To think, well, you know, maybe God has forgotten about me, and so I need to try to fix it myself. Uh, I have this need in my life, and, and I'm going to fill it, and whether God wants to do I'm going to do it my way. That's a big mistake because it leads to broken hearts and broken promises and broken dreams and, 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 and so forth. God says this in Jeremiah 2.13. My people have done two evil things. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. You know what a cistern is. It's a hole that you dig in the ground like in the desert, especially out of clay, and it doesn't, it doesn't, there's not water in it unless you pour water in it. It's a storage tank. And, and the picture here is God is a living spring of water for you, refreshing you continually. And you and I have rejected that to go over here to this cistern that we've got to put effort into. And you know what happens? He says it's a cracked cistern. It leaks out. It goes dry. And not only that, once you put water in a cistern, what does it do? It just sits there. And it becomes brackish, and it becomes stale, and it becomes full of bacteria, and eventually it goes dry. And here is Jesus saying, I'm over here, and I'm the spring of living water. I can help you. And you and I are over here digging cisterns that are not going to hold water. 
Remember Jeremiah, what did he say? The Lord is all that I need. So don't go trying to find answers and things that you can do. Look to it for, for, from God and Him alone. The last, uh, the last two things that I want to mention, how do we respond? <clears throat> we need to receive God's grace daily. You know, <clears throat> if God is waiting to shut the world down because He wants to exhibit grace to this world, then we need to receive that grace on a daily basis. Romans 5.17, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Folks, if you've never before received the grace of God through Jesus Christ, you need to receive that today. And the way you do that is the fourth response, and that is you need to release your life to God. Release your life to God. See, the bottom line is, folks, we live in a broken world, okay? Our relationships are broken. Our dreams are broken. Our plans are broken. Our bodies are broken. Um, and God grieves over the fact that this world is in such a mess. But He's not going to just leave it at that. No, He has something to say about that. He did something about it. He says, For God so loved the world, and that means each and every one of us, that He gave His only begotten Son, gave Him to die for us, that whoever believes in Him, that is, whoever puts their hope, their trust, their faith in Him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There's going to be a time of perfect life that awaits those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, God loves you. He wants something different from, for your life than maybe what you're experiencing right now. He wants to change your life. <clears throat> and so He's calling on you this morning to release your life to Him. Surrender your life to Him. Give Him your broken life. Give Him your broken relationship. Give Him your broken dreams and plans. And allow Him to re remake them. Because God is in the business of repairing the broken. And lifting up the downtrodden. And, and changing our old self-centered heart into a heart that is centered in Him. Friends, it's easy to make that happen. You just ask Him to change you. In fact, we're going to do that in prayer right now, so let's pray. Father, I, I look out over these people in this room. I think of people who are watching online, and, uh, and I realize there is a lot of pain. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of stress. There are people here who are dealing with relationships that are in discord, there are people here who are dealing with bodies that are breaking and decaying. Uh, there are people who are going through emotional and, dist uh, and distance from other people. Um, they've had disappointments. They've, uh, maybe it's the death of a loved one. Uh, maybe, maybe they're just having struggles at work or in their finances. All of this is a part of being in a broken world. And a lot of times, Lord, we don't even have a clue where we're going. I just pray that today, that each person that's within the sound of my voice would turn their need over to you. We wouldn't go out and try to build our own cisterns, but we would find in you the living water that we need.
Now you just pray in your own heart and just say something like this. Jesus Christ, I want to accept you as the Lord, as the boss of my life. I want to accept the fact that you died for my sin. Uh, Take away all the guilt in my life. I thank you for giving me that choice. Thank you for giving me a choice between good and evil. Thank you that today I have the opportunity to choose you. And I'm choosing you. Choosing good over the evil. I'm choosing a life over death. I'm, I'm choosing your purpose over my plans. Thank you for being patient with me up to this point. Thank you for helping me see my need for a Savior. Thank you for your grace. Help me to remember that this place, this earth is just temporary. And that this pain is not going to go on forever. Help me to learn to reject man-made solutions and to realize that you are all that I need. Help me to, to reach out to you with, in love uh, to people all around me who need to know you. Um, people that you want in your family. They don't know you yet, but they need to know you. Father, thank you that you are the living source in a world that is so broken. Again, we reaffirm you are all we need. In your name we pray.